Today we are going to be looking at the foundation of our faith. This is a very, very important topic and uh, it's something many of us do not know. Let's directly go to the scriptures in Deuteronomy chapter 9 verses 1 to 6. This is an Old Testament passage and it goes this way. Here, Israel, you are now about to cross the Jordan to go in and dispossess nations greater and stronger than you with large cities with walls to the sky. The people are strong and tall, the Anakites. You know about them and have heard it said, who can stand up against the Anakites? But be assured today that the Lord your God is the one who goes across ahead of you like a devouring fire. He will destroy them, he will subdue them before you, and you will drive them out and annihilate them quickly, as the Lord has promised you. After the Lord your God has driven them out from before you, do not say to yourself, The Lord has brought me here to take possession of this land because of my righteousness. No, it is on account of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is going to drive them out from before you. It is not because of your righteousness or your integrity that you are going in to take possession of the land, but on account of the wickedness of these nations. The Lord your God will drive them out from before you to accomplish what he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Understand then, that it is not because of your righteousness that the Lord your God is giving you this good land to possess, for you are a stiff-necked people. The Old Testament and New Testament is giving the same message. God is warning us through Jesus in the New Testament too. In Luke chapter 18 verses 10 to 14, Jesus tells this parable. He says, two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like the other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his chest and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other one, went home justified before God. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Here the Pharisee boasted about all that he had done, and that is something God detests and hates. I'm sure that the tax collector who feared God also did the same deeds as the Pharisee. But the difference in the tax collector was that he still felt so unworthy to stand before God's holiness and perfection. You know, God loves to boast in what we do. For example, Hebrews chapter 11, the full chapter is God boasting about these heroes of faith. But we must take care not to boast in our deeds or our righteousness. Let God praise you and boast in you. We must not boast in our obedience 
or in our actions. So here again we see how the Old Testament and the New Testament are giving the same message. So when God is saying that we must not boast in our righteousness or when God says that you are not chosen because of your righteousness, does that mean we need not practice righteousness or pursue righteousness? Definitely not. In fact, we are commanded to practice our righteousness, to pursue righteousness. Matthew chapter 6 verses 1 to 4 shows a very important point. It says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. This verse does not say to not practice righteousness or that there is no need to be righteous. It is saying do not practice your righteousness for others to see. Do it in secret so that only your Father in heaven can see it. Proverbs chapter 15 verse 9 says, The Lord detests the way of the wicked, but he loves those who pursue righteousness. 1 Timothy 6.11 says, But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance and gentleness. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. When we pursue righteousness, when we practice our righteousness, God is pleased. God the Father also says through Jesus, in Matthew chapter 5 verse 20, For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Surpass means overflow or something that exceeds. It simply means we must do what the Pharisees did and more but not behave like the Pharisees. Matthew 23 verse 3 says, Be careful to do everything they tell you to do, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. The Pharisees, they had deeds, but their hearts were boastful, proud and arrogant. They had no love for God or people, and their hearts were not right before God. And today we Christians also claim to love God, but we don't obey God at all. All the while holding on to the claims that deeds are not important as we are saved by faith and not works. So Christians believe when you obey God, it becomes salvation by works and not by faith. And they also believe that as Jesus our Lord fulfilled the law or the Torah, we are free from the Torah and not under it. Jesus fulfilled it but did not do away with it. 
one verse before and after this verse is ignored matthew chapter 5 verse 17 says do not think that i have come to abolish the law or the prophets i have not come to abolish them but to fulfill them for truly i tell you until heaven and earth disappear not the least stroke of a pen not the smallest letter of the law will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished therefore anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven but whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven faith alone is not enough you know the verse in james chapter 2 verse 24 is uncontested where it says you see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone it's true when we believe in jesus and put our faith in him we are considered righteous before the father but do you see what the verse in james chapter 2 verse 24 suggests it says that what we do in obedience to his commands also makes us righteous and it is an evidence of our faith while we are saved only by his work on the cross and made righteous because of him we must continue to live righteous through our obedience and that's the true evidence of our faith but we must be careful to not boast in our deeds these deeds that i do these deeds of obedience is only for god to boast in i must not boast in them when we boast in our deeds that looks like filthy rags before god so beware james chapter 2 verse 20 to 22 says you foolish person do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless was not our father abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered isaac his son on the altar you see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did let's look at another scripture In Matthew chapter 6 verses 1 to 4 it says be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them if you do you will have no reward from your father in heaven so when you give to the needy do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do to be honored by others two important points to note in this scripture is in Matthew chapter 6 verse 1 it says be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others this verse does not say don't practice righteousness it is saying do not practice your righteousness in front of others but in secret and the second point is seen in Matthew chapter 6 verse 2 where it says when you give not if you give giving is and was a very important expression of one's faith and it was considered as practicing your righteousness 
which is not an option for believers but a mandatory proof of a believer. I'm going to list out a few examples of people who never boasted in themselves but in whom God lavishly boasted. God boasted in Moses in Numbers chapter 12 verses 6 to 8. God says, When there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? God boasted in Abraham. Where in Isaiah chapter 41 verse 8, God is saying, Abraham is my friend. In Acts chapter 13 verse 22, we see God boasting about David. Where he says, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. We see God boasting about Job to the devil himself where God says have you considered my servant Job there is no one like him on earth he is blameless and upright a man who fears God and shuns evil God boasted in Noah for it says in Genesis chapter 6 verse 8 and 9 but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. God boasted in Enoch, where it says in Genesis chapter 5, verse 24, Enoch walked faithfully with God, and then he was no more because God took him away. It's also said in Hebrews, Chapter 11, verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God took him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. Jesus boasted in John the Baptist. And we see that in Luke chapter 7, verse 28. It says, I I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. And of course, coming to my most favorite character in the Bible, God boasted in Daniel. We see that in Daniel, Daniel chapter 10, verse 11. Here God sends an angel to Daniel, who says, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, Consider carefully the words that the Lord is sending me to speak to you about. I have just listed a few examples. The Holy Scriptures are full of people who never boasted in themselves, but in whom God lavishly boasted. God boasted in them, but they didn't boast in themselves. In fact, in fact they all giants in faith though they were,
considered themselves so unworthy like a worm all so prominent people in life Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 to 10 says we are saved by grace through faith and not by works so that no man can boast but we are saved to abound in good works for the glory of the father every servant of god must understand one very important truth god's righteousness in comparison to our righteousness how can this be even explained our righteousness can never do justice or even be compared to god's righteousness man is dust like ashes and of what value is dust or ashes if man itself is dust what then are our righteous acts like next to god or before god even less than dust less than nothing or nothing literally but god loves that nothing when it is done for him in love his ways and thoughts you know they are as high as the heavens are above the earth it is we can see that in isaiah chapter 55 verses 8 and 9 you know if measured on a scale god's righteousness is in the highest heavens while our righteousness is in the earth below it's just incomprehensible it's simply incomparable and it's unfathomable in 1 corinthians 1:20 21 and 25 something very profound is seen it says the entire gospel message that is preached is like the foolishness of god but do you know that this foolishness of god is enough to rescue the whole lost mankind not that god is foolish it goes on to say for the foolishness of god is wiser than man's wisdom all put together and the weakness of god is stronger than all human strength put together i would stretch this verse a little more and say the strength of all living creatures man and angels put together will still be much weaker than the weakness of god not that god is weak if all human wisdom from adam till the last man in the end of ages were to be put together and if all human strength and all the good deeds from adam till the last man if they were all to be put together and added they would amount to less than a drop in the ocean of god's wisdom strength and goodness how then can any man or mankind all put together boast before this perfect god it's utter foolishness you know we in spite of all our obedience and service and love will surely helplessly you know feel like that tax collector who came into the temple to pray 
which we can see in Luke chapter 18 verses 10 to 14. He surely did all that the Pharisee did but considered himself nothing. He considered himself worthless, not even worthy of mentioning. He felt he was not even worthy to stand before this holy God. Uh, you know, he considered himself not even worthy to look up to heaven. And we all know who won the favor of this God. It was the tax collector. We too, as his servants, will feel like this tax collector. We too, as his servants, will feel like this unworthy servant that is seen in Luke chapter 17, verses 7 to 10, where it says, Who after having done all he should and could, can only say, we are unworthy servants and we have only done our duty. So I can safely say that God is satisfied with our worthless deeds and foolishness and our weakness when we do them in humility and love and you know knowing our true place and worth. So much so that with great joy God boasts in these deeds. As we have seen, you know, in the list of people that I gave a few minutes back. But one very important fact must be understood. To save man, those deeds of righteousness that he does is simply not enough. Man must know that we are saved by faith and grace alone. And our deeds are just a tiny evidence of a saved person who is in love with his creator. Without evidence, nothing is proven authentic in this world. And the same is true in the heavens. You know, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 verse 16, By their fruit you will recognize them. I can rephrase it and say, by their fruit, you will recognize a true believer. Matthew chapter 3 verse 8 says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. You know, God loves to see our obedience, our gratefulness, our praise. It says in Psalms 22 verse 3, God dwells in the praises of his people. Our acts of righteousness which is nothing but our obedience to God's words, must lead other mortals to glorify God and not glorify ourselves. Our deeds, it's not for us to boast in it, but for God and others to boast in us. And that must cause us to direct all glory back to the Father. One verse that always puts me in my place is seen in Psalms 127 verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over a city, the guards stand watch in vain. Unless the Lord completes it, all our toil and labor is in vain. It simply means that we are nothing without God. While we are made righteous by faith through grace, we are called to live righteous lives and to pursue righteousness. Now, what is righteous living? 
the definition in the dictionary is uh, seen as acting in accordance with divine moral law. But all the while knowing that our righteous acts cannot save us. We enter heaven solely because Christ makes us righteous. But the proof of a person made righteous by God is an obedient lifestyle. That is the evidence. You know, Job was one of the most righteous people in the Bible. Job was no ordinary person. God boasted about Job thrice in the Holy Scriptures. And it is seen in Job chapter 1 verse 8, Job chapter 2 verse 3 and Ezekiel chapter 14 verse 14. And this book of Job says something so profound. It should leave us speechless. Job chapter 25 verses 4 to 6 says, how then can a mortal be righteous before God? How can one born of a woman be pure? If even the moon is not bright and the stars not pure in his eyes, how much less a mortal who is but a maggot, a human being who is only a worm. Remember when man obeys, he is only doing his duty as it's seen in Luke chapter 17 verse 10. After all we have done in obedience to God, we have not done God a favor. We have simply done our duty. And our divine duty is to fear and obey God. It is seen clearly in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 13 and Deuteronomy chapter 10 verses 12 and 13. Let me read them for you. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 13. It says, Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. And Deuteronomy chapter 10 verses 12 and 13 says and now israel what does the lord your god ask of you but to fear the lord your god to walk in obedience to him to love him to serve the lord your god with all your heart and with all your soul and to observe the lord's commands and decrees that i am giving you today for your own good there is nothing to boast in when we are only doing our duty let only God praise us if he pleases. But even if he doesn't praise us, it's okay. You know, after what he has done for us on the cross, nothing can match it. No action of ours in return is even worth mentioning. The world today to excuse themselves from obeying God they use words like legalism. If they come across a person who diligently obeys the scriptures, they call it legalism. But the Lord revealed a very profound thing to me the other day. I was asking God, what is the difference between legalism and righteous living? 
and I was surprised when I found the meaning of legalism in an online dictionary where legalism is the intent on keeping the law in order to achieve salvation or goodness. For example, the Pharisee. Legalism is the intent on keeping the law in order to achieve salvation or goodness. Did you know that righteous living and legalism have one very important point in common? Both require obedience. But the difference in righteous living and legalism is the intent. Righteous living and the obedience that follows this righteous living is just because you love God and want to please Him. All the while knowing that those deeds of obedience are unworthy before Him. It comes out of humility. Whereas legalism and the obedience that stems out of it is boastful, it's proud and rude. It gives out a holier-than-thou vibe and it definitely does not obey out of love for God but to show people. People who say, it's because I kept the law that I am good and saved that is the legalistic attitude and it's very dangerous and it is a Pharisee mentality that God spoke against several times in the New Testament. Paul said that the law is good when you have the fear of disappointing or hurting God and not because of the fear of hell. So which is the kind of obedience that really pleases God when you obey Him because you delight in Him? When you obey Him and His commands because you love God? When you obey Him because you know God loves an obedient heart? When you treat the law like that, it is good. So a few questions to ask. Who is an evildoer? We all know the answer to that one. It is a person who does evil. So what is evil? Anything that God hates. So then we must ask ourselves, what is righteousness or right living? It is simply right standing with God. So who is then a righteous person? The one who does what is right and who obeys God. Is there proof in the scriptures for what I am mentioning? Romans chapter 2 verse 13, written to the Gentile believers by Paul, whose words are most misunderstood and manipulated by the devil and the church. For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Romans 3 verse 28 says, For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from works of the law. 
but we forget the verse that follows this in Romans chapter 3 verse 31. It says, do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. In 1 John 3, 7, it says, Dear children, dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. 1 John 2, 29 says, If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. In James chapter 2 verses 21, 22 and 24 it says, Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. You know, when Abraham had faith in God, his faith was followed by deeds of obedience. It's a package. Faith and deeds of obedience are like two sides of a coin. Faith is incomplete without deeds, just as love is incomplete without obedience. In John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus says, If you love me, you will obey what I command. So faith and deeds of obedience are not two separate things. One completes the other. One is the evidence of the other. Faith is incomplete without deeds. Faith is dead without deeds. Faith without deeds cannot save. So saving faith is when you have faith plus deeds of obedience. In Revelation chapter 19 verse 8, it says, Fine linen, bright and clean, were given to her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. So two types of righteousness is seen. One is seen in Isaiah chapter 64 verse 6 and in Matthew chapter 22 verses 1 to 14 in the parable of the wedding banquet. The filthy rags kind of righteousness. It is the Pharisee type of righteousness, the boastful type. It's devoid of love. It was mainly to show people. And the second kind of righteousness is the kind of righteousness that God loves, that is humble, that is in love with God, that stems out of a deep love for God. Which kind of righteousness is yours? Matthew 22 verse 14 says, Many or all are invited, but only a few are chosen. All are invited to come to Jesus, but only a few accept the invite. And just accepting the invite is not enough. We see in the parable of the wedding banquet, that there was this man in the banquet who accepted the invite 
but later on was thrown out because his garments were filthy so all are invited but only a few accept the invite and get beautiful wedding clothes and they become the chosen and we see in revelation chapter 19 verse 8 fine linen bright and clean were given to her to wear fine linen stands for the righteous acts of god's holy people so in spite of the invite one man had no wedding clothes his clothes were filthy symbolic of his uh, righteousness maybe his righteousness was like the pharisees it was the boastful kind the, the kind that is done for man to see the kind that does not stem out of love for god what was the end of this man who had no wedding clothes he was thrown out after entering the feast our garments of righteousness become filthy by our boasting in what we do our boasting of doing good and of being good by our disobedience by our sin by our self righteousness and when we do these acts without love for god but our garments on the other hand shine by our unquestioning and our unwavering and cheerful obedience that stems out of a love for our father in heaven and our lord jesus christ always know this our righteous deeds are like filthy rags they are always worthless so never boast about them when we boast about them it becomes filthy rags rather when you do them silently and when you do them with a heart of humility and love for god he loves and adores and boasts in those acts of obedience or in those acts of righteousness in revelation 198 it is seen that glowing white robes were given to those who were obedient to those whose deeds were righteous so to be chosen it is in your hands you know for he shows no favoritism he chooses the one who show their deeds of obedience stemming out of love for him no compulsion with him you know don't remain babies in your faith grow to maturity as we see in hebrews chapter 5 verse 12 man's definition of boast is so different from god's instead our mindset must be that of you know the worthless servant seen in luke chapter 17 verse 10 I am only a worthless servant who has simply done my duty. Boasting about what you do or did for God is wrong. Be quiet. Let not even your right hand know what your left hand is doing. It, Jesus said that in Matthew chapter 6 verse 3. Let God boast in you. Look for opportunities. where you can make god proud all the while feeling like that tax collector who came into the temple to pray 
No matter what I do, it's simply not enough for my king. Let me end with this question. Have you given God a reason to boast in you? Or are you still looking for reasons to boast in yourself? Shalom.